With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that is a bit of loud from my guest, Tim Hicks. It's the current single from his latest album called New Tattoo. Along with a bunch of awards and nominations, Tim has two platinum-selling singles, six gold singles, and a gold record. And he was just announced as a nominee for the Apple Music Fans Choice Award at this year's CCMAs in September. My pleasure to welcome Tim Hicks to the show. Hey, Tim. Hey, hey. thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Great to have you here. You've got a lot going on these days. Of course, the new album is doing quite well. The single Loud is uh, right there at the top of the charts, and uh got to be a great feeling. Yes. Oh, my God. It's, you know, whenever you release anything new, at least for me, whether it's a record or a single or whatever, the anxiety sort of kicks in. You know, are people still going to be interested? Are they going to come to the shows? Are they going to like these songs? You know, especially uh, like on this round I, I wound up writing for, for 18 months those 12 songs we had 70 plus songs that we chose from and uh, just don't know until it's out of the gate you know and then you kind of get a sense of whether or not people are, are still interested in coming along for the ride and I've been really blessed over the last five years that people seem to be interested in what I'm doing and and uh, you know I'm able to just uh, do what comes natural to me which is that rock country thing and and uh, people keep coming to the show so that's all good news it's got to be tough. You mentioned you've you know seventy songs to choose from. Uh, beyond the ones on the album, there are a lot of great ones left on the table. Is it tough to narrow it down? And then do you, do you still think about those other songs that are you know kind of sitting there and, and some <laughs> use for them in the future? <laughs> it's the toughest. <laughs> it's the toughest. The hearts break. There are tears. <laughs> you run the gamut of emotions <laughs> between anger and love. <laughs> it's really. It's hard, man, right. you, know, I, you know, because you, you're trying to make calculated decisions about, you know, anticipating what people are going to like months out from when you have these songs and be true to mm-hmm. yourself and pick songs that you're going to want to go out and, and, and support and perform every night. And so it, it's really, it's, it's a difficult part of the process to narrow the songs down. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, I keep a running playlist. And that's how I keep track of my demos and I and, uh, play them a lot. And yeah, there are songs that didn't get cut on this round that, uh, you know, I, I, I hope will show up on other recordings. The, the cool thing about where I am in my career at this point is I'm starting to get some cuts from, from other artists as well. So, for instance, I've got nice. a song out right now with, a, with David James, who's singing Downtown Kids. And that's a great example of a song like I, I had written that song for shake these walls and uh it was right down to the last minute it was on, it was going to be on that record 
And then it, for whatever reason, I think we felt like we had too much in that tempo already. You know, nothing against the song. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, but it just didn't work in that group of songs. And so I'm like, I'm really pleased that guys like David James, Jojo Mason's cut a couple of my songs. Um, you know, I'm starting to find home for, homes for these songs. And the good news is, in talking to my team and my A&R guy, he, he, after we had decided the 12, he looks at me and he says, well, the good news is your fifth record is half written. <laughs> so, you know, if we've got songs kicking around, you know, we'll probably see the light of day at some point. That's got to be a gratifying feeling, probably equally as putting out one of your own songs, having another artist choose your song to record that's the first part of it. And then when it actually, you know, does as well in David James case, downtown kids is doing quite well. That's a great feeling uh, for you. I'm sure. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's something, you know, I mean, you dream about that kind of thing as a songwriter. And uh, you know, I, I, I still feel like I'm growing and learning as a songwriter. So when things like that happen, it's, it's kind of icing on the cake really. And it's, it's really interesting to hear someone else's take on a song, mm-hmm. you know, in that, in that case, I kind of had an idea of what downtown kids was going to sound like, because I know uh, Dan Swim- Swimmer very well. He's a very good friend of mine who's the producer. He produced that song and, and I know his style of production. So prior to him, you know, like when he told me they were going to cut it, I already had an idea in my mind of which direction he was going to take it. And uh, he did a great job, man. And David did a great job too. So it's uh, it's, it's been kind of neat to watch that whole thing happen. Now, from what I read, Tim, uh, about the album and as you approached it, maybe something a little different in your mindset about these songs, letting go of expectations of what yeah. people think a Tim, Tim Hicks song should sound like and just kind of just have yeah. fun. Yeah, that was exactly the idea. Is that, you know, I was my fourth record in and I was thinking, well, what am I going to do different? And, you know, dealing with the pressure of that, it was, um, it can be pretty daunting when you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I do? Where do I go? What am I going to do different? What am I going to keep the same? You know, it's this delicate balance of trying to, to, to branch out and grow as an artist, but not alienate your fans. And so, you know, the one thing that I think all of my records have in common is just fun. It's just about fun. And that's been my mantra this entire time about this whole trip has been, you know, it's got to be fun or it's not worth doing. And that's, I think, because I come from the live music background and I'm always thinking, how are these songs going to fit into my live show? And so, you know, this time around, you know, getting re- reconnecting with Jeff Copeland behind the desk, uh, producing the record, we, him and I are such good friends and we spend more time laughing than we do working, <laughs> usually. Much <laughs> the degree nice. of my management. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to kind of, I told him, I said, listen, I want people to know how much fun we're having when we're working on this. Like I want people to be able to hear when I'm smiling and singing. And if I giggle or if I, you know, make a noise like a James Brown noise or whatever, like leave it in. (laughs) I I want people to have a sense of what we're, you know, that we're having a good time and, and, you know, he's game for all that. So that made it really easy. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's how you get all the, you know, all the ridiculousness in songs like drunk me and, uh, what's another good example? You know, beats all right, and you know, it's just us right. goofing off, having a good time in the studio. And to me, it's like it kind of translates the same on a record as it does live. And and one thing I learned when I was young is if you're having a good time on stage, the audience likely is having a good time. And so why wouldn't the same principle then apply to making a record? And so that's what I was trying to, that's what I was trying to experiment with this time around. Anyway. 
Very cool. Uh, you d did a huge announcement. You made one about a tour, and we're going to get to that in a few moments uh, with some great artists joining you. Uh, we'll get back mm -hmm. to the record in a minute. Let's talk about to what I mentioned off the top. This nomination was just came out for the CCMAs, uh, which is a yeah. cool one because it's the Fans' Choice Award, the Apple Fans' Choice Award. That is so cool. Congrats, Tim. How does that feel? It's the coolest. It's the coolest. Anytime anything is voted for by fans, I think that it, it just means that much more, you know, and that's not taking away from any other awards or anything. I, I think that everybody would agree because we have a voting structure within the industry that kind of defines who wins what and, and who gets nominated for what. But when you're talking about a fan voted award, even just to be tabled as a name in that category to me is a, a really fantastic thing. You know, to, it just means, you know, I, I'm invited to the party, and that's all that that matters to me. I I don't I don't let awards define who I am as an artist, or or I, I try not to get wrapped up too much in that because at the end of the day, I re really just want to make good music and put food on the table for my family. So, but the, the fans' choice definitely means a lot, and uh, I was more than blown away yesterday. I was coaching my son's baseball team when I found that out, and uh, I because I leave my phone in the truck when I do that so that I'm not you know, checking my Facebook in between innings. And, uh, exactly. you know, we came back. <laughs> yeah, I, we came back and I grabbed my phone. In fact, we were walking back. My wife says, oh, you were nominated for, for a CCMA? I said, what? She said, yeah, fans' choice. You didn't know? I said, no, I didn't know. <laughs> she said, oh, no one told you? I said, no, no one told me. You know, and it was uh, it kind of <laughs> set the tone for the rest of the night, which was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. On the album, Loud is the single out now, doing well on the charts, getting a lot of play. And mm -hmm. uh, another cool thing about the song, it was used, uh, the NHL licensed it during the playoffs. That is yeah. cool. Let's talk about Loud and just uh, the, the uh, inspiration behind the song in the first place. So I wrote that with Todd Clark, Gavin Slate, and uh, Travis Wood. And these are the same guys I wrote, like, Stomping Ground, Slow Burn, Here Comes the Thunder. Like, I've written lots of songs with these guys, and... Uh, I wanted to write a show opener, so something that I could come out of the gate screaming with at a, at a concert. And, uh, you know, we were sort of chuckling about one-word titles, because I love one-word titles. I think they say so much with so little, right? And uh, at the time, Luke Bryan had, had a song called Fast out, and that's how this, right. this discussion about one-word titles got going. Or move. I can't remember. It was one of those two. And anyway, so someone said, you know, if Tim Hicks had a one-word title, what would it be? And another person said loud. And we all just fell over laughing, like, of course it would be loud. <laughs> so, you know, that sort of set the direction. And then when I write with those guys, we always do what they call a track write. So as we're writing the song, we're laying the song out in the studio. And Todd is producing it. And the rest of us are kind of writing the lyric and, and contributing to the direction. And he'll turn around every now and again and throw out a word or, or, or give a nod or a shake of the head. And, uh, you know, by the end of the day, you're cutting the vocals. So the next day, we're passing around the, the, the quick mix that he does of it, and someone said, man, this would be great for sports. And uh, next thing you know, boom, NHL's got a hold of it, and they license it for the, for the entire Stanley Cup playoffs, which, you know, for a kid from Niagara Falls, it was pretty cool, you know, just because they yeah. – what happens is they license two dozen songs or whatever, however many songs, and they, they say to you – okay, we're going to take your song. It's on the pile. We don't know if it's going to be used. We don't know when it's going to be used. We don't know how it's going to be used. So you're just okay. waiting. And, um, yeah. and so I, I would know every night when they used it because my Twitter feed would blow up. You know, oh, I just heard Tim Hicks on <laughs> you know, MSNBC or on, on TSN. And, 
the cool thing was it was North America wide. So it was all over America as well, which was really kind of neat yeah. to watch yeah. unfold. And, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, you, you can't force it. It was just pure luck. And we fell into that one ass backwards. It was one of those things like we've actually sat down and gone, okay, because we had a little bit of success in the sporting world with Here Comes the Thunder and a little bit with God of Feeling. And we've done rights where we've said, okay, today we're going to write a sports anthem. What do you got? And it never goes well. <laughs> never goes well. It's the worst song right. almost always. And so it could only have happened that way, which was by accident. So it was just, like I said, it was pure luck. And pure luck on the timing, too, because the week that we went to radio with Loud was the exact same week that the NHL playoffs started. So it couldn't have gone any better. And It was just nice to kick off the record with that kind of push behind it, you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, let's hear the song now. This is Loud from my guest Tim Hicks on In the Country. I'm going to stomp our boots to the neighbors, call the cops. I'm going to put that boom back into the old boom box. Turn the dial way up to 10, then we'll turn it up again. And wake up every house on the whole damn block. It's the calm before the storm. Don't say I didn't warn you. This ain't no Sunday morning coming down. It's gonna get loud like a 12 gauge, like a shockwave shaking the ground. So low, gon' ride it to Yeah. Now nah, don't knock it till you try. You gonna stop a riot in this peace and quiet little town. It's gonna get loud like a 12 gauge, like a shockwave shaking the ground. Loud like a freight train, like the roar of a hometown crowd. Get loud like a speedway, gonna blow these speakers on out. It's the only way we know how. No. Get loud. 
And that is Tim Hicks with Loud. It's the lead single from his album, New Tattoo. You can get that at iTunes and uh, also stream it on Apple Music and Spotify. And, uh, man, we've got a couple more great songs from that album coming up here on the show. Uh, Let's get to the big tour Mm -hmm. announcement that you made, Tim. It's the uh, Get Loud Mm -hmm. Tour with Tebe. And then you've got, I'll let you talk about the guests in the East and West, but it's you and Tebe uh, across Canada. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, Tebe and I go re- way back. Our wives were actually friends in high school. Get Go get that. Oh, wow. So the very first time, yeah, the very first time I went to Nashville, we had dinner with them and we chatted and we, we became friends. So to be able to take him out on the road, and uh, he's so gracious to, to accept that slot and come out with us. It's, it's going to be really cool. And then in the East, we've got uh, Madeline Merlot joining us, which is really cool. She's got such a great song out right now with Neon Love, and um, mm-hmm. she's She's a star. Like she is a star through and through. So we're just pleased yeah. to have her. And then in the West, we're going to have Andrew Hyatt, who's another one of my favorites, up and comer. Uh, I love what he's got going on. I, I love that he's from Sudbury, and the you know he's just such a cool guy. So you know, I think it's a really great lineup, and I think it's worth checking out. And and uh, you know, I really hope people are uh, willing to throw down their their hard-earned money and buy a ticket and come out and and, and support some live music. And all the dates are available at timhicksmusic.com, so check those out. Uh, turning back to the album New Tattoo, uh, we've got a song, yeah. 1975, with so many references <laughs> around that time. Tim, and this is really cool. I know that you were writing it, uh, watching that 70s show, but you were also yeah. thinking just about all the great music and things from the 70s. Yeah, well, I, I love the music from the 70s. I, my friends always told me I was born you know, way too late. And I, I was actually, I was born in 79. And so I wasn't around in 75. So, you know, as we were kind of thinking about it, cause I love movies like days of confused and, and, and my, my preference, like when people say to me, what are you listening to? I always disappoint them because I'm always reaching back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm listening <laughs> to the Eagles right now, or I just put on wish you were here, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right. So uh, it just kind of seemed neat to write a song about, about that kind of thing. And we were Googling and about, you know, all the pop culture that was going on then, like what did it cost for a tank of gas? How much did it cost to buy some whiskey? Like we were calling our parents um, and uh, the song just turned out great. Like, you know, with all the little sound effects in it, we got the Atari in there and reference to, yeah. you know, a couple of my favorite bands, you know, Steve Miller and CCR and Bob Marley. And, you know, just, it's just pure fun. It's, it's, um, I think that's a great song uh, as proof that I'm really not taking myself too seriously. <laughs> Great song. It's fun, but it's so well-written. Your fans and uh, new fans will enjoy 1975. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about what a song should do. 
And yeah, I sure. know there's a story behind this, which I'll let you tell, but the lyrics in this are just killer, and it just really talks about mm. what a song should do to us in different situations. Yeah. And, uh, I like yeah. that hook and the idea. And t- Take it from there, Tim. Yeah, well, it's, it's really just a, it was an easy song to write in the sense that, you know, once you start laying those kinds of things out, um, the song just writes itself. So, for instance, you know, the opening line, if it don't make you dance, it better make you think. If it don't get you sober, it better make you drink. So, you know, it's, yeah. once you start lining those lines up, it just sort of falls out. But the song idea itself was really interesting. I was, I, it came out of um, a, a talk. You know, typically when you write in Nashville and when you write period, you just start talking. <clears throat> Eventually an idea will come up. So I wrote this song with Karen Kazowski and Emily both Canadians, both wildly talented, and both transplanted to Nashville. So, and it was my first time writing with the two of them as a team. And, um, and Emily, who's a pop artist, was telling us about this session that she had had where she was supposed to write with this producer. And he, he sent her home from the studio and basically said, don't come back until you have a song idea that does one of two things. A song should make you go, hell yeah, or it should make you say, me too, you know, be identifiable. So... You know, instead of being bummed out about it, we thought, oh, my God, let's take that guy's advice and write a wicked song around it. So, <laughs> you know, as soon as it was like, make Joe hell yeah, me too. And it was like, right, right away, it's like, what the hell yeah? I said, I'll sing that. I got no problem singing that. Cause, you know, <laughs> every now and again, you get a PD or a radio station that's like, oh, he's saying the H word. I don't really care. It, it, it felt good to sing. And I think. What I liked about it was that it was a little bit scrappy because I'm, I'm a little bit – my personality is a little bit like that. So it, I just loved it right from the get-go. And when we finished writing it, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up, and I knew that we had something mm. special, and I think the girls did too. And when I handed it in, I, I, I sent a note to my A&R guy explaining that, like, I think we got something special here. Check this out. Let me know what you think. And, uh, you know, it seems to be um, a song that's that's um, – that people are really interested in on the record. It's, it's uh, popped up. We used it as the grat track, the instant grat track on the, on the, when you pre-ordered the record on iTunes, you got, right. you know how you get like a couple of songs to listen to while you're waiting for yep. the release. Well, it was one of them and uh, people seem to really enjoy it. So um, that I, we've been playing it live and it's been going over really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that song does down the line. And this is Tim Hicks with what a song should do on in the country. Your 
puts that flicker in your flame And when your candle burns out What song they gonna play? What song they gonna play? It should make it go hell yeah Tim Hicks, the song is What a Song Should Do, and that's on his new album, New Tattoo. And you kind of talked about knowing how magical it was. I'm, I'm sure there are songs you have, you know when they're very good, and maybe they're great songs and you feel that way, but you don't know just how big they are, how accepted they are until they mm-hmm. get out and you get that feedback. Yeah, we, we've already had, we've had that, and we're early on. So we've got a song called Getting to Me, which... Uh, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to cut it, and and I, I certainly didn't think I'd be playing it live. It, it was uh, it came out of a, a write that we do when I'm in Nashville. I, we do Wednesday nights uh, with the same guys. It's Phil Barton, uh, Bruce Wallace, and uh, Dave Thompson. And uh, the idea is with being, it being Wildcard Wednesday is that we can write anything. We aren't writing for anyone. We're not writing for me. We're not writing for anybody. We're just writing to write, and we we try to encourage each other to just like go right off the rails. Um, and so we wrote this quirky song called "Getting to Me," and <laughs> I fully expected my team to not be into it at all, or or to be into it, but like not for me. You like be like, oh, this would be a great song for someone else, right? And next thing I know, they're loving it, and so I'm going, okay, well, if it's gonna go on the record, do you think we could get a pop singer to sing it with me? Because I didn't want to ha- have to you know, go down with the ship, <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted to be able to blame someone else if, you know, oh, well, because of this guy, that's why we did this song, you know? So, uh, but, but it just, it didn't work out. And uh, next thing you know, I'm cutting it. It's on the record. And the record comes out and getting to me pops like way to the top, of, you know, and in the top 20 on iTunes and stays there for a week. I thought, oh my God. And so my team starts going, are you going to play it? Are you going to play it? And I had no I had no plans to integrate this song into my set. Like, I just thought it's just way too wacky because it's way out there for me. You know, there's horns in it. and But I think that's what's interesting about it. And, you know, one of the things that we, would, that we, we made a conscious decision to do on this record was to not get caught up in, you know, what should Tim Hicks sound like? So, for instance, if the song calls for organ, throw an organ on it. If the song calls for, <laughs> for uh, horns, Throw some horns on it. Yep. If the song called for synthesizer, throw it in there. Like, there, we, there, we were trying not to, to be definitive as a, well, Tim Hicks should only have two guitars, bass, and drums. Like, it was just like, let's write good songs and, and see where we can, how far we can push the limits. So Getting to Me was a really great example of that. And who, who knew that, you know, people were going to be interested enough to, to buy that song, you know? And, and, and so we'll see what it does on streaming, but... Um, I'm currently working on a, an arrangement <laughs> so that the band and I can do it live <laughs> and it makes sense, right? Cause it's got to fit in with Hellraiser Good Time and Loud and Here Comes the Thunder and Slide Over. And, uh, but I think that's what's interesting about the song is that it's so different from anything else I've done. 
as far as meeting other artists, Tim, and and people that you had listened to on the radio before you met them, you know, kind of like musical mm-hmm. heroes, anybody along the way that stands out? And do you get starstruck in those moments sometimes where you're like in awe of that person? Yeah, it's rare, but it did happen, and it happened recently. So I guess it was December of this of this past year, we were playing the NHL Winter Classic in Ottawa, which was a kind of a, a big deal as, you know, national – television or international if you include america and uh we were on the same bill as brian adams which was really cool and i'll I'll tell you why because when i was 10 i bought a black fender stratocaster like brian adams and i only wore white crew neck shirts and blue jeans for like two years (laughs) (laughs) i had that's the brian adams look i used to yeah i used to alternate like back you know that was around uh when he had waking up the neighbors which was such a great record. Okay. And, uh, but yeah. I played all of his stuff as I was coming through. And so to get to meet him was a pretty big moment for me. And it was wonderful because my kids were there and my wife was there and the band was there. and He was so gracious and so nice. And uh, I didn't want to ask, like, hey, man, can I have my picture with you? So, and I think my tour manager kind of clued into that. And so he said, hey, uh, Mr. Adams, can, you know, can I get a picture of you and Tim? And and it was just supposed to be me and the family. And next thing I knew, the whole band and crew had had crowded around. <laughs> so it's like there's like a dozen of us in this picture with Brian Adams, right? And it was a really cool moment. It was I would say that's the closest to being starstruck as I've ever been. Uh, just because that yeah. that man had such an influence on me early on in my life, and and I played a lot of his music growing up. And he's Canadian, and I was always really proud of that. Although I will say. Uh, I, I met him briefly another time, uh, hanging with Jason Blaine, and Jason said to him, "Yeah, Brian, you know, we're really Canada's really proud of you." And Brian, he, Brian Adams totally shut him down. He says, "Hey, man, well, I don't really think of music in terms of borders." <laughs> so, <it was> just <laughs> like, Jason was so excited to get to talk to Brian Adams, and then Brian Adams was like, "No, no, we're not going there. We're not going there." So it was kind of funny. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah, I mean, what a career, Brian Adams. I mean, from way back oh in my the God. day. Yeah. Uh, and just, I, you know, I've been to a show of his, and, of course, every song is one you know because it's a hit. Uh, it's just yeah. nonstop hits for the whole show. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and he, and he sings immaculately like he's 18 years old, and his band is amazing, and they don't play with tracks. Like, there's everything about the presentation of his music is just so pristine and spectacular, even to this day. It's really an inspiration. Uh, to see a guy like that that's, you know, I think he's in his mid-50s at this point, still singing all those songs in the correct keys. It's just, it's really cool. He's special. That is so cool. There are certain certain artists and certain voices that are just special that you, you can't, there's no, you can't define them, you can't, um, you can't put them in the box, you can't categorize them, they just are what they are, and he, I would say he's one of them. You wrote a song on here for your son, uh, and you had written mm-hmm. one for your daughter and your wife. And I understand that uh, your son kind of, in so many words, asked you to write yeah. a song for him. Yeah, he was <laughs> mad that day. He was upset. Yeah, I was FaceTiming home. I was on one of my writing trips, and he didn't want to come to the phone to talk to me and, uh, on FaceTime. And I said, well, why? And my wife said, he's upset at you. I said, Why? And she said, well, because he says that, um, you know, you write songs for me and you write songs for his sister all the time, but you've never written a song for him. And, and he was right. So 
you know, one of the things that him and I have in common is that is a, a love of baseball. So he's been playing baseball for the last couple of years, and, and this summer I'm lucky enough to be able to help coach his team. So, you know, we do a lot of catch in the backyard, or at least we did before things got busy. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when I grew up, I played catch with my dad, and it was really an important part of growing up. My parents separated as well, so that kind of – you know, that was just time that my dad and I could spend that was sort of helped the healing begin. And and, uh, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I got this idea of writing a song called Throw a Ball, which would just talk, kind of bring those things full circle. I talk about my dad and how it, it's his grandfather. Because I, I still have the baseball glove that I had when I was a kid. Uh, and I still use it every week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and it kind of made sense. So I brought the idea to Jeff Copeland because and, and, he's a huge baseball fan and also because he's one of my favorite people to write songs with and uh you know within 15 minutes of me suggesting the song here are two grown men bawling their eyes out to each other (laughs) in the studio like you know reminiscing (laughs) about playing baseball with their dads when they were kids like it was just such such a funny moment you know and uh yeah uh but uh it was it, it you know made for a really great song
and uh, I hope that that one lives on in our set for a long, long time. I'm looking forward to playing that one. I've been doing it a lot acoustically and at writers' rounds, because I think it's one of those songs that, you know, you got to have a few that are that are kind of personal, and uh, that's one that mm-hmm. that's extremely personal. You know, I, I would say you know, uh, Hell Raising Good Time isn't exactly a personal song, although it does tell my story to some extent. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. throw ball, uh, make, you know, is is a little bit more intimate. Yeah, no, totally. It, it we get to know you as a person through that song, and yeah, and then anyone listening to it as well who can relate, which anyone in that situation can, of course, a dad and a son, uh, that song means something to them. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. I've had a lot of people come up to me. Well, not a lot, but I would say, you know, half a dozen to 10 people and usually guys, but some ladies too say, you know, that my dad passed away of cancer last year, or, uh, we lost my dad a couple of years back and that song makes me think of him. And, you know, cause we used to play catch in the backyard all the time. I think it's a common thing in North America to have that time with your dad, because as men, you know, it's, it's difficult for us to sometimes express how we feel to one another. And, but, you know, in, in those, those little moments of throwing a ball back and forth, that's kind of yeah. when you do it, you know? And uh, yeah, I just, I, I love that song. I'm really proud of it. That's an awesome song. Uh, we're talking with Tim Hicks about his brand new album called New Tattoo, which is available at iTunes. You can stream it at Apple Music and Spotify. And we're uh, playing a few of the songs, getting stories behind a bunch of them. Uh, I want to talk now about the duet on the album. And this duet is with the one and only Lindsay L. from Canada, mm-hmm. uh, from Alberta, and doing so well on the radio with so many great songs. I love her voice and her style. Amazing guitar player. Mm-hmm. And the duet that you guys do together is called The Worst Kind. Yeah. When you started writing this song, Tim, was it meant as a duet? No, no. In fact, it, uh, we didn't know that we were writing a duet until we got to the second verse. And I, I was writing it um, again with Karen Kozowski and, and another American writer uh, named Tori, Tully, uh, Tori Tullier is her name. Um, another girl. And, and, she started to sing the opening line of the second verse. And I said, I thought to myself, oh, my God. I said it out loud. I was like, this should be a duet. And everyone just sort of lit up in the room like, oh, my God, yes, that's what's been missing. And I said, and here's what we should do. We should do the guitar solo in guitar harmony and get Lindsay L to play guitar on it and sing it. And then we could do the, wow. the guitar playing together. You know what I mean? Like this kind of dreaming. Like wouldn't it be great if we could get her? You know, yeah. she's a huge star, and she's a huge star not only in Canada, but in America and the world. Like, she's touring all over. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a bit of a pipe dream to, to have her on it, but I figure, why not? Just aim big. and Because uh, we'd worked together um, at the CCMA Christmas special a few years back, and, uh, and it was great. She was so good and so professional. Uh, but I didn't expect that she would have time for me. And when, when um, you know, when we'd reached out to her camp and, and asked, she was more than gracious and said, yes, I love it. When can I come cut it? What a great idea. I love this song. And, and uh, you know, I think the proof's in, in the song. that it, it turned out really great. And uh, I'm just pleased that she was that interested, you know, that she would want to come and sing on my record, which was, it was quite an honor. Let's hear that song now. It's called The Worst Kind, Tim Hicks and Lindsay L. on In the Country. Baby, 
From the new album from Tim Hicks, that song is called The Worst Kind. Tim is joined by the great Lindsay L. Now, the album, of course, is called New Tattoo, and mm-hmm. you actually have a new tattoo. Yeah. And <laughs> I love the story behind it. It's Forever Rebels, and it's because uh, your song went uh, top ten. I think top you said 10, to yourself, yeah. if it goes top ten, I'm getting this tattoo. Yeah, yeah. So what had happened was um, Amanda, my wife and I, Amanda, uh, we had designed very poorly the, the biker patch logo to go on the T-shirt, the Forever Rebels biker patch, uh, and, and sent this crude drawing. I'll tweet it out one day. But this sent this crude drawing and crayon or whatever it was to our graphics designer at Open Road, Mitch Nevins, who is a genius. And I said, Mitch, can you make this look cool and make it look kind of like Sons of Anarchy or like that kind of have that kind of vibe about it, you know? And uh, a short time later, he sent it back. He's like, like this? And I said, dude, I love this so much. If this song goes top 10, I'm getting this tattooed on my arm. 
and he just laughed, of course, and, and we all laughed, and then and then the song went top ten. <laughs> so I was like, okay, oh, I better put my money where my mouth is. So it took a little while to get an appointment, but I, I went in and, and uh, you know, I, I got the work done. And, and uh, the guy that did it, Mark, over at Leonard Skin Art in Thoral, Ontario, did a great job. And I'm definitely going to be seeing him again. But it was one of those ones where it was like, you know, the song Forever Rebels. I know we're talking about New Tattoo, but on Shake These Walls, Forever Rebels was, was the most personal song on that record. It really did tell my story and my fight to continue to do music in the face of tons of adversity and tons of people telling me I was crazy really for chasing this dream or, or not chasing it. And, and, uh, so it, that song meant a lot. And so I thought it was, it was, uh, it was worthy of having a tattooed on my arm, as we say in what a song should do worthy of words on your tattoo. That's what a song should do. It's interesting when you talk about people around you uh, saying you're, you're a bit crazy for pursuing music. And I know a lot of our listeners can relate to that. It probably happens to them if they're doing the same thing. And there are probably jobs that are a lot more secure and steady. So tell us more about uh, having that told to you and that maybe you should go in a different direction. Especially when you have a family, people start looking at you like, well, what do you do for work, you know? And then you tell them, well, I'm a, work, I'm a musician. And they go, well, what do you do for money? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> right. it's that kind of attitude, you know. And, and you know, a, a lot of it came from my family. And God bless them. Like, they, as a parent now, I can understand where they were all coming from. Because when you choose a road that is not defined, like, for instance, and what I mean by that is, like, if you want to be a lawyer, here are the steps to become a lawyer. You go and do an undergrad mm-hmm. someplace, and then you apply to law school, and you do that, and then you write the bar, and then you're a lawyer. When you say, I want to be a musician, there is no defined plan there on how to do it. You have to make it up, and that's a difficult road to follow. So I understand now in my – you know, not that I'm an old man, but in my life experience that I've had, why people would say that to me, why they would question, what, you know, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to live out of a suitcase why, you know, why, why would you want to suffer like that? And I, because it's got nothing to do with talent. You know, they would say, you know, you're talented, but it's got nothing to do with talent. And they're 100% right. The music business is not about talent. And so, um, you know, when they were telling me maybe you should be a dentist or maybe you should become a teacher, really, it came from a place of love. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. But really what it did was it just lit the fire in me <laughs> to prove everyone wrong. Right. And truthfully, truthfully, <laughs> I had come to terms with all of that before I ever had a record deal. And because I, I had been uh, a working musician five, six nights a week for 18 years before I ever had a song on the radio. And, you know, after 10 years of that, I had nothing left to prove to anybody. And after 15 years, I certainly didn't have anything to prove. And I, and I tell the story, uh, which is the truth, like things started to happen for me in my career when I let go of all that. So... You know, once I stopped worrying about, you know, making it in this business and becoming a rock star, or getting a record deal and what all that meant, because I didn't really know what it meant. You just knew that you wanted it. I got to get a manager. I got to get an agent. You don't even know what those people do. But someone told you, you got to have one. So you're, you're, you're looking. And, you know, it was when I let go of all of that, that the phone rang and I was headed to Nashville. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history, but it did teach me to follow my gut and to follow my instincts because I've been playing mm-hmm. in bands for 30 years now. So I've, I've developed some instincts, you know, about, 
about whatever it is about writing and about about live performance and set and, and set times and where songs should go and you know I I, I kind of think I'm a little bit of an expert at this point you know when it comes to laying out my set for a live audience so you know I think yeah. that that whole experience taught me that I really just need to follow you know what feels good to me and that's what I tell people all the time just follow what feels good to you don't listen to anybody don't let them tell you what you need to do or where you need to go just do what feels good and right to you and you'll figure the rest out you know whether whether that's you know not everybody makes it and that's okay um but at some point you need to come to terms with i'm going to go try to for the next level or i'm not you know and and there's nothing wrong with either way it's just the way that you got to do it wow and that is great advice in there to uh to artists out there starting out or whatever level they're at to hmm. uh you know the persistence and to to believe in yourself as you as you have all those years before things really yeah. took off and uh now you've got the confidence cuz you know you can do it and mm-hmm. in, in many areas of the music business really i think that there's and i'm i'm glad that i get to say something like this is you know i think that there's people in this day and age and artists in this day and age it's my impression that everyone just wants to be famous and they don't want to put the work in mm. and what i tell them is hone your craft Learn how to play live. Learn how to write songs. Don't worry so much about posting songs of yourself singing on YouTube in your bedroom. That doesn't mean a lick when you're standing in front of an audience of 10,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, you need to be comfortable in your own shoes. And, you know, and everybody has their own path. And I have mine, and other people have theirs. But the one thing that, that, that is in common, if you want to have longevity in this business, like I'm like, talking like an expert, I've been around the National Love for five years, but this is my impression, is that <laughs> you have to hone your craft. And if that's performing live, and if you want to be a musician, you've got to be able to do it live. So worry about that first. The rest will come later. You know what I mean? And I, I think that that's, because I get asked all the time, hey, my son's 10 and is, is an aspiring uh, uh, aspiring musician, what, what do you tell them? Mm-hmm. I tell them, listen, play as much yep. as you can. Play for as many people as you can. Play in front of your class. Play at your grandmother's birthday party. Play at your neighbor's barbecue. Play for the kids on the corner. P- get a gig at an open mic night. Like, whatever it is. Like, just play, 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 play. And, and, and you know, doors will open. I, I promise you that. Uh, anything on yeah. your bucket list, your dream list, Tim, as far as uh, you've accomplished so much so far, something in the next uh, year or two in the near future that you want to see happen that you want to experience? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I want to keep my career going. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm five years in now. I'm thinking, what do I do now? You know? And uh, I just really, I really <laughs> hope that I can just keep this train going as long as I can, man. I'm having such a good time. We get to play such great shows and for, and meet such amazing people, especially in Canadian country. Um, if I could just keep this train going for as long as I could, um, that that would be a bucket list thing for me. I mean, uh, in, you know, in terms of venues, we got to play Bud Stage last year, which was a huge one for me. Um, I would love to to be able to to play, you know, just continue to grow and continue to uh, learn how to write good songs and and play the biggest shows we can possibly play. You know, that that's when I'm the most at home. To be honest, is like I love that feeling of standing in an arena. And, and playing for 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people or on a festival stage. Like we just played Trackside in London, you know, there's 15,000 people or something like that there. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love it. I love, love, love it. I, I feel like I was born to play those kinds of things. I love the big stage. I love to run around. I love to play guitar. So, 
you know, if I could just keep that going, that would be a that that would be all I'm I I my life would be complete uh, from a professional standpoint. Anyway, once again, Tim is nominated uh, for the Apple Music Fans Choice Award at this year's CCMAs, and you can head online to find uh, the links to vote for that and to vote for Tim. And of course, uh, head to timhicksmusic.com to learn more about the Get Loud Tour. Tebe joins <clears> him uh, across Canada, and then in the east, it's Madeline Merlot, and in the west, Andrew Hyatt. Uh, and the brand new album, New Tattoo, available at iTunes, at Apple Music to stream, and Spotify to stream as well. Tim, this has been a great conversation. It's always great uh, having you on the show to talk and, and get some insight and, and to play the songs, of course. Well, I appreciate the time, Dave, and I, I hope I didn't uh, gab your ear off. <laughs> I, t- I tend to like <laughs> just talk and talk and talk, especially when it comes to music, man. I, I, just, I just love it. I, 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 just, I love it. I can't, I can't say it enough. Well, it's great. It's great to hear your thoughts, and I love hearing about music, so it was very enjoyable. I know our listeners enjoyed it as well. Uh, once again, my guest has been Tim Hicks. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.